0: So, Bazo, it's back with a bang here because uh, after a couple of weeks' uh, vacation, we come back with Nick Kyrgios wowing Washington. What an amazing week. Six wins in a row for him. A sixth career title. And as he said afterwards,
1: making massive strides. Would you agree? Absolutely. And how nice it is to talk about Kyrgios in in an utterly positive way as opposed to in a frustrating way. And he was magnificent throughout the week, Barry, because what really struck me... From the very first match against Tyson Kwiatkowski, the the qualifier from America, it was at night, which in in the we've known in the past sometimes that brings the best out of Kyrgios. but there just seemed a different different feel about him. I mean, we still had the underarm serves, we still had the penalty points, we still had the the utterly bizarre at times, but he he was zoned in, and and actually throughout the week, what was really interesting was. How, I wouldn't say honest he is because he's honest anyway. And, and I wouldn't, you know, I'm always reluctant to criticise players when, when they are honest. But how he said, you know, I've just, I've been working hard and it's just about trying to compete. So something has happened since the win against Jordan Thompson at Wimbledon to now. Um, is, is, it a, is it a number of factors possibly? I think the Nadal match helped Barry with the way he played. Um, maybe just being here in Washington with the crowd. He has a very good relationship with the new tournament owner, Mark Iron, who who is involved in the Washington Castles, the the um, World Team Tennis franchise. Uh, and then he, you know, just got get up, gets on a roll, and uh, and then the the fan interaction, the three out of three telling him where to serve on match point and championship <laughs> points.
0: That's not coaching, is it? <laughs>
1: Well, interesting. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. It'd be lovely to hear our listeners' thoughts. It is coaching. And straight away, I'm thinking, well, what is different with that than a coach? However, as much as I am anti-coaching, I am also very pro-fan interaction. And I think it's where the sport at times has become a little sterilised. And the crowd loved it. And the crowd didn't just love that, but you gave a moment... Uh, for for that for the three fans that they will never forget, and surely isn't that what we why we go and watch sport? Definitely, it is what uh, should be allowed because it was in in
0: in great spirit. It is okay championship point or match point as it was you know for the first couple of times, and then to do it against Medvedev on the Sunday night. But if if you started getting heavy handed with that, I think that would really spoil what is a very positive part of of what he brings to tennis and the crowd interaction is a huge part of that. I mean, the entertainment value was off the scale at times from what Kyrgios did. And okay, if it's the official coach telling him what to do, that's different from just somebody in the crowd because anybody in the crowd can call out between points and say, serve it here, do that, do this, do the other. So I don't think there's any issue with it at all. And I thought, yeah, what a a lovely way to round it off. And the lady he gave a huge hug to after pinching the title, having discussed with her which way he was going to serve it. And it was yet another ace. I mean, well over 100
1: aces from him, the serving was superb throughout the week. Yes. I mean, his, his arm is... It's lively as anything. Um, but um, a few, few sort of notes that I took from a Kyrios week. Um, a drop shot hot dog. He actually had the physio on. He stretched his back. He only had two rackets versus Gombosch. He had a first <laughs> serve at 60 miles per hour. So that's a new one that he's added into his repertoire. The slow, off-pace first serve. Yes, uh, the bottle, I mean, that was that was one of the <laughs> the, the funny moments of the week, and, and again, I think it's it's sort of. I don't know if you're the same, Barry, and I think many people are the same as well. That you sort try and you sit there and you try and understand what goes on in Nick Kyrgios's world, and and I think the bottle was was a classic Nick Kyrgios that that he launched that bottle at the umpire's chair. Absolutely launched it. I mean, that was as if he was throwing the ball from the, from the boundary to uh, to the wicketkeeper, if you're talking about cricket. So the, so the umpire gave a warning. And then Kyrgios spent the next, what, 30 seconds at the chain of ends or maybe even the full chain of ends. It slipped out of my hand. It slipped out of my hand.
0: It was classic. It was classic Kyrgios. Yeah, just playing as if, as if he'd done nothing wrong at all. What, me? You know, but it was all part... Of the package that came from him, but coming back to to his comment about making massive strides, uh, for me that 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 mental strength that he showed, particularly against Sitsipas in that incredible semi final they had, he played the storming first set, then early in the second, he got heckled by somebody. Something was said that clearly got under his skin, and it, it just flicked a switch, didn't it, in him. And he went to a very dark place, really, uh, struggled in that second set to to hold on to the emotions. Tsitsipas really got involved then in the contest. And you're thinking, is this going to be another one which just gets too much for him? However, the way he was able to find a way through ultimately was was a great advance, I think. and, And that's what deep down, must please him that, yes, there are still going to be moments of, of real difficulty. He talked at one point, didn't he, said anger management. You know, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You've got to do better than this kind of thing. He's working on it. So we're all to benefit from that if he can continue working on it and find a, you know, a greater level of control with his emotions. But you never want him to, to see him stop being the entertainer because he has the talent to entertain in a,
1: in a huge way that we've never really... Seen before, No, yeah, I, I think this is it's kind of a game breaker, a game changer, isn't it? Excuse me. And and I agree with you about the with Kiros. It's you're never going to get, and to be honest, I don't want him to change. You're never going to get him to totally eradicate the losing the plot. What Kiros is it's a process of so what Kiros has ultimately got to do, and he did it last week and he's got to do it long term is for it not to affect him for the whole match. So lose the plot for game, two games, or even a set. And that's why even when... Do you remember the, the time when he, he threw those couple of games against Gasquet at Wimbledon? Yeah. Yes. It, that, that was... That, I was never critical of him for that because he still fought. Because you, you're there to win three sets. You know, not everyone can fight for every single point like Nadal. That's a huge gift. So I think the way he was able to regroup was, was crucial. And, you know, what was really apparent in that final? Because I think Medvedev was psyched out. I think the way Medvedev lost that first set, which he should never have done because Kyrgios' back was troubling him. So in, in, in yesterday's final, he had the knee strapping, he had the arm strapping, he was holding his back. And Medvedev was, was not the one who was dominating that court in terms of who owned it. And he was the conductor, wasn't he, Kyrgios, as he was the conductor in the semifinals against pass? Yes, uh, Medvedev's own serving was sensational, really. But um, as you
0: say, he didn't manage to find any ways into the Kyrgios service game either, even with Kyrgios cutting out the pace a bit, cutting it down, because he was forced to really with that back spasm or the back trouble he had in the first set. He, he definitely loosened up in the second. And, and that allowed him having won that first set. But it was the tie-breaks, wasn't it? Both times when you see Medvedev, who had barely missed his great backhand in the main part of the set. And yet, come the tie-breaks, he did miss a few. Mm. And, and Kyrgios was able to take advantage of that to win both of
1: them. He's a great tie-break player. I would always back Kyrgios in tie-breaks against a lot of players. Because for Kyrgios, why he likes a tie-break, it's a definite ending. So he knows... That's the end point where at the start of the set, for someone who who doesn't, whose biggest asset is not his focus, that must be quite hard. So I think, you know, his attention span maybe is not how it would want to be. So and and what was it, the, the tie break he didn't miss a first serve, I think, in the second tie break. And and he's brave. You know, very much sort of the mould of a, a little bit of a songer. I always I would always back songer in a tie break because of because of you know, once they once they have that. Feeling that they just go for their shots, you know they're not waiting for things to happen. Um, so for for Kieros, it was a it was a massive massive week. We shouldn't forget the Sabre as well, which which I for me was the shot of the year actually in this opening round against Kwiatkowski when um, it was break point. So it was, wasn't just a forty love point and nothing point. It was a break point, and Kwiatkowski hit a 132 mile an hour serve and he charged it and won the point. Remarkable.
0: I mean we we we're kind of having to come up with descriptions of new points in a way. I mean the what was it? That the slam dunk dry volley yeah. that he hit. Uh, a couple of times, uh, incredible sort of that, that the head fakes that he was doing. It, it just was the full package and, and it was marvellous to, to witness that. In terms of what he's now achieved by winning another 500 title because he won Acapulco earlier this year, he's got his ranking back up inside the top 30. He starts this week as, as 27 in the world. So that'll put him in the seedings for the US Open. I'm sure all the top guys are pretty pleased that he's got a seeding because they won't have to face him early on in the draw. Sitsipas, well, he's actually got himself up into the top five for the very first time on the strength of his run to the semi-finals. Obviously, he was bitterly disappointed to lose against his his new friend, as it were, his new doubles partner in Kyrios. They played, didn't they, briefly in in the week in Washington together. What did you make though of his performances overall, and and those shoelaces? Yeah,
1: that that was that was also, I think, maybe another factor that actually helped Kyrios. You know, because he. By playing with someone who, who, what did Kirill say in his words? He said, "City Pass shouldn't be hanging around with me because I'm a bad influence." (laughs) But they gel, didn't they? And they're playing together in in Cincinnati. You're going back to City Pass. He's not the same player as he was at the beginning of the year. I think there's there's different different pressures now for City Pass. I mean, two, two big pressures. Firstly, he expects great things, which ultimately is going to take him to the very top. That inner drive that 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 need and that want for it to happen tomorrow but it doesn't and also the the expectation from the outside world that that match against Federer was not the norm that was that was city pass playing at a level that we've never really seen before on a, on a grass on a hard court especially so i think this is a period of readjustment for city pass but he he's such a intense competitor that in the long run, I actually think these experiences now are going to help him. You know that. what did he admit the dark place after he lost at Wimbledon, where he spent three days locked in his room? Um, yeah. Not. I wouldn't necessarily advise that. <laughs> but it's what it's what ultimately will drive City Pass to the very top. But there are still areas of his game that that he needs to improve. And what we saw in that match against Kyrgios for City Pass is the the serve is 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 something that will improve and will evolve but his returns at the moment are the very top end are average and that's why you know against a, against a great player towards the back end of the tournament he's got to improve those returns but I'm sure that that will be the long term long term plan to 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 address those areas but still to have got to top 5 in the world at the age of 20 mm. that's starring
0: isn't it i mean that is a on a, on a meteoric rise really for him and he is
1: destined for great things. He, absolutely. And, and you're five in the world. And he is, he is the, the player right now in the best position to be able to overtake the big three. And it could all change. We could be talking about Zverev in six months' time or we could be talking about even Kyrgios in six months' time. We don't know. And that is the beauty, isn't it, of, of, of the sport that we're now entering two important weeks, Montreal and Cincinnati this week, is so predictable to call because you've got no Federer, you've got no Djokovic, and um, you've got team who seeded two is coming from playing two weeks on clay. He might be vulnerable if he loses early. Of course, that opens up the bottom half. So, opportunity knocks for a lot of players this week.
0: Still, for Kyrgios, though, it is in the majors that we've yet to see him sustain it to to the latter stages, uh, and that and that I guess is where. If he can get this mental strength better, you know, under
1: better control, that that will be what gets him further in those major championships. Yeah. Yes, he's not ready yet. Just because he wins Washington doesn't mean he's now in contention of being able to win the U.S. Open, where he would massively go up the order. for 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 me, Barry, is that if he does great this week, because it's hard to win one tournament, but it's it's very, 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 very difficult to win two in a row.
0: The guy who's got the luck of the draw, as it were, to face him in the first round in Montreal is Britain's Carl Edmund. Um, that, for Carl's point of view, obviously is going to be a real test. It's a first encounter for the two of them. As you say, I guess in what you've just said, that, that he can perhaps pounce on Kyrgios if Kyrgios is a bit distracted by the success now and trying to follow it up. And yet Kyle's own performance I felt in Washington, disappointing the way he lost out to Goyovchik over those three sets.
1: Yeah, as for Kyle, last year was an amazing year, reached the semi-finals of Australia, Australian Open, but I don't feel that was his true level. So then he had the injury problems and of course the, the illness. And then there have been a few tough hits along the way. The, the spring was would have been very difficult for Carl Edmund because he would have had expectations on his, on his best surface, but that didn't really happen. I have seen signs of him getting better and, and sort of returning to sort of confidence levels that he would want. But when you look at, when you take a step back and you're, um, you know, we're commentating on, 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 on that match in the quarterfinals. You're playing a 500 event, the quarterfinals against Peter Goyovchik, who's a lucky loser, whose highest ranking, I think, was 38. This, it was this time last year. But for Karl Edmund, if he's got aspirations to win big titles or get to the world's top 10, there are moments where you are watching that you have to win that match. and 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 after winning the second set, Again, that was confirmation to me. You've got to win this match, Carl. But he really disappointed in the third and lost his way. And it was almost that he—not that he threw in the towel, but mentally he didn't seem like he had a gear, another gear to go to. And it was only actually towards the end when maybe the pressure was off that actually Carl started to relax. Again, I think it's pressure. You know, pressure from the serves, expectations. I've been there. You, You want it at times. You can want it too much instead of just letting it happen. But there are also areas in in, in Carl Edmund's game, especially on a quicker hard court, that maybe you can get to. But that, that would have hurt that one.
0: Andy Murray played doubles alongside Jamie. A couple of matches there. He's going to be playing alongside Feliciano Lopez in Montreal and all part of what
1: we hope might be a singles return in Cincinnati. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, it's all it's all positive, And practice sets... For Murray and Washington singles were good. I thought he looked very sharp in that double against Mahu and Roger Vassalan. It was a brilliant match, actually. And again, another another great advert for the tour. And to be on set stadium court, as was the City Pass Kyrgios doubles. And I thought it was interesting that tournament director Mark Iron in in Washington, when he was um the ceremony, he mentioned doubles. And what you need is you need tournament directors who who value that side of the sport. And and I am very much, I always have been. If you have something, you have to value it. If you don't value it, get rid of it. And and I think doubles has kind of been caught in the in in that rot for the for quite a few years where a lot of tournament directors don't really want it. You'll see doubles shoved out into court one, but the crowd absolutely loved it. Um, in both those matches, so hopefully that's a, a sign of better things to come. Murray mentioned that maybe, um, which is something I've been saying, Barry, for for a while, that maybe that they can tweak it a little bit. That players have to play a certain amount of doubles tournaments. The certain amount of doubles tournaments will count towards your singles ranking, because it's a great most most players who play tennis play doubles.
0: It hasn't been a whole lot of fun for somebody like uh, Sasha Zverev, though, recently, has it? Um, I wonder if he could benefit from a, a bit of a company, as it were, on the court playing some doubles as well as the singles. But um, his split with Lendl uh, surprised you or, or what you expected after the way things were sort of came out, uh, comments that were made?
1: Didn't surprise me. I thought it would happen probably a little earlier. And I think it's probably better for both parties. It has happened now. Where I was surprised, it, ha- it happened during a tournament. Um, now, I'm not going to go into, the, obviously, the details because I feel like I'd be, I'd be sort of speculating. But anytime something like that happens while a player is playing in the middle of the tournament would suggest that things haven't gone well for a while. I think both have made comments that, that I'm not sure were necessarily right to make those comments. Um, it was a flippant remark from Zverev, wasn't it, about Lendl in terms of his golf, um, that he talks more about golf than he does practice. So I think probably the will, deep down, was probably for both to... To end it, um, but Zverev is 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 a shadow of of the player that 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 we saw. I think going back probably eighteen months, um, people say, "Well, what about the ATP Finals?" Well, the ATP Finals ended brilliantly, but the ATP Finals at the beginning of the tournament were poor, and on a normal regular tournament, he would have been out after the first match because he was just reluctant to play aggressive tennis, and this was the theme again in Hamburg two weeks ago, when the chips were down and there was kind of nothing to lose is when he was able to play a bit bolder. When the pressure was on, he reverted to type and reverted to six feet behind the baseline. So until, he, until Zverev has got the, 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 the will and the wants and the confidence to be able to, 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 to maybe risk, Barry, and I think this is, this is where he's at now, maybe risk losing a few matches and maybe having a difficult month but in the long run, playing the right way, when you, when you are as gifted as Zverev is, and mentally you are as strong as he is, because he is, you don't, you don't achieve what Zverev's already um, done on the ATP tour without being an incredible fighter. But his game is not there to be able to take the attack to his opponents under pressure. It's, it, it, he reverts to type.
0: On the women's side of things, they head into Toronto now. So the first really big tournament for them since Wimbledon. And for Simona Halep, of course, the new Wimbledon champion, she's going to start as fourth seed. She's going to buy into the second round, obviously, and she'll face either uh, Jennifer Brady, who's a qualifier from the States, or Christina Medenovic, who's got a wild card into it. She's in the same half of the draw as um, Serena Williams, Sloane Stephens and also Naomi Osaka, and I mention Osaka because um, she recently put out a a message uh, to her fans on social media, talking very honestly, opening up because I don't think that's an easy thing for her to do, but about sort of the issues she's been facing this year after the euphoria of winning last year's U.S. Open, then following up by winning the Australian Open, but she's openly admitted in this statement saying that uh, you know I haven't had the funds really playing tennis since Australia. And she's now trying to relearn that feeling with the, the good support she's got around her. But she, she also said, I thought it was very telling. She said, I put so much weight on results of matches rather than learning from them. And I guess that's something that, you know, a lot of players find at times
1: that they do uh,
0: to their own detriment.
1: Yeah. And again, that's praise her honesty. Uh, it didn't surprise me that she said those words. That wasn't a huge shock for me because her whole world has changed, hasn't it, in the last... Well, yeah, it's amazing to think it's nearly, nearly 12 months since she won the US Open, that match with Serena Williams. But you're yeah, back-to-back majors, and she was kind of caught in this whirlwind. And, and now she's not just Naomi Osaka, who enjoys playing tennis and competes. This is now Naomi Osaka, who's a Grand Slam champion, who's a global sports star, who everyone wants a bit of. And, and the pressures from Japan are huge. I mean, it was, do you remember Shuzo Matsuoka, who was the best Japanese male player? until uh, Nishikori came on the board, but he was IMG's biggest client. And I think at the time, IMG maybe had Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer and other golfers. I mean, this is off the charts how much they are in the spotlight, Japanese superstars. And Osaka, yeah, I mean, he was a guy, what was he, 46 yeah. in the world? That was his highest ranking. Yeah, and, and Osaka's been world number one. She's a kid, and you, 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 she's right. And maybe part of it, actually, you remember the comment from Agassi said, I don't love tennis. You know, yep. y- you start, you start, it's, it's a hobby. It's something you love as a kid. And then it becomes something you obviously enjoy, but you lo- you like competing, but it's also becomes part of your work. You know, you have to get up every day. You have to do your th- three hours practice, four hours practice. You have to do your training. You know, some of the training is mundane, but it's what you have to do. And maybe for, for Osaka, that's, the period that she is maybe struggling with. And I, and I think in in this instance is where you have to be brave, which is not necessarily the easiest thing to do at that age, but maybe have to be brave. Now, if she is suffering from burnout, I don't want to put words out there, but if she is suffering from a little bit of mental fatigue, it's better to take time away. You know, I'm not saying six months because it doesn't need six months, but, but maybe three weeks where you don't pick up your racket because you don't. She's not going to lose the ability to be able to play tennis. I mean, she doesn't hit a tennis ball for three weeks. It won't make any difference at all. But maybe you just rest the body, rest the mind, and then you. And then you're when you hit the court again, you are ready to to absolutely just move forwards. Where if you're sort of maybe just suffering a little bit when you step onto the court, maybe I should be doing this. Maybe you should be doing that. You, you you're approaching it in a negative way, and uh, I. I always feel that a younger player, and again, it's not that it's your wants, but injuries often end up actually being a blessing in disguise because it forces you to take a step back. Good from a Serena Williams point of view, Barry, because I know you've obviously
0: talked uh, openly about uh, the fact that you feel she needs to play tournaments between the slams if she's going to have a real chance of winning more slams. And and she, as I said, is in the draw. In fact, she's in the same quarter as Osaka, but uh, you'd hope that
1: she'd have a full run-up now to to New York. Yep, and if she does, she will win another majors uh, because Serena has played a limited schedule and made three finals in the last 12 months. So yeah, Toronto and Cincinnati are massive. I feel she's got to play back-to-back and she's got to be making semifinals and finals and it would obviously help if she did win one of those tournaments. If she did win a Toronto or Cincinnati, she'd be straight away my favourite to win the US Open, if, if, if Serena plays a couple of matches in Toronto and then the body starts hurting and she doesn't play Cincinnati, it doesn't matter how many majors you won and, and 23 of them have, have, that she's been able to store um, in her uh, trophies, in her trophy cabinet, wherever, wherever that is. But we saw at Wimbledon, you don't get the matches. Eventually, there'll be a one player or maybe two players that you come across that will be playing too well for you. And Serena was half a step slow, um, I think, throughout the Wimbledon. And it was Halep's incredible level that eventually exposed that. Well, some great weeks
0: of tennis coming up, no doubt, uh, with so many of the world's best involved. But uh, I'd just like to finish off this podcast, Barry, by getting you just to, to reflect on Peter McNamara, a guy who excelled in doubles along with Paul McNamee and somebody that you got to play with quite a bit in recent years in, in exhibition events. So just tell us a
1: bit of, about Peter and what he meant to the game. Yeah, it was very sad news and condolences to his wife and his family. Peter was a top guy and, and the reason he was so popular was he was a classic Australian, very honest but hard-working and whether it be as a player or whether it be as a coach, and he had a lot of success as a coach with Dimitrov. he did did wonders for Dimitrov. he also did wonders for Kiang Wang. Um but you know, I mean ultimately for Peter, he he was someone who loved and breathed the sport and loved and breathed life. And and it was a very, very sad, sad loss. And you know, again, just pass my wishes um to everyone who who's connected to Peter. Absolutely. Well, I certainly endorse that.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with another Tennis Takeaway next week.